All right, welcome to a Tuesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. On the phone with me today is Adam Hoffer. He's the director of excise tax policy at the Tax Foundation. An easier way to say that would be just he's our economist, and he's kind of a sports economist. And there's a couple of sports things, like really important sports things, happening in the news in Wisconsin over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think we're still fighting about Brewers Stadium funding, and now the Packers ha- hosting or the or Green Bay hosting the draft. So now. There's there's funding there, and um, I think I could work the Milwaukee Bucks into it. And Adam, what I didn't put into my notes, I don't know if you pay attention to the Minnesota Vikings, but it sounds like they're going to just pay off their stadium with their budget surplus. Did you hear that one? I haven't heard of the Vikings stadium yet. I've been following what's going on with the uh, Brewers and everything going on in Green Bay. But uh, frankly, I'm, I'm excited to uh, get the draft out here to Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah, apparently the, the Vikings – you know, billion dollar stadium they built a couple of years ago. A, they're just going to pay off the debt, which is going to save like three hundred million dollars for the state or the city of Minneapolis. And then B, they also own about oh about three hundred million dollars in stadium renovations, <laughs> which is kind of crazy because the stadium's brand new. We don't have time for that though, um, be, because we got stuff happening in Wisconsin. It's just always fun to throw in there because Minnesota has a seventeen billion dollar budget surplus. Wisconsin has a seven billion dollar budget surplus and uh before we get to any of that though the the brewers uh needing 300 million or if you say 500 million to renovate their stadium and or, uh, otherwise uh, apparently a threat to leave town or the packers now want money because the draft is coming before we get to any of that adam can you just explain where we're at with debt ceiling is this drama over is it weird that we had drama at all because it, I, I don't remember ever hearing about the debt ceiling in my life before I, I guess I don't know uh, um, if everyone else follows uh, politics and debt ceiling talks as, as closely as I do, but this this is something that comes up every couple of years. There is a debt ceiling. The federal government can only hold so much debt uh, by rule. Now, uh, the interesting thing there is that they're allowed to pass their own rules and create a limit whenever they want. So. Uh, these talks come up every couple of years because the federal government hasn't run a surplus in decades. So every year they keep adding to the debt, and so it's only a matter of time until they hit the debt limit. Uh, we are right about there uh, right now, and so the past couple of weeks have been filled with discussions about what to do with this debt limit, should they raise it, and if so, by how much, and uh, what are they going to do in order to change what they're doing now in order to, to I guess, hopefully not hit the debt limit again anytime soon? Uh, the, the news over the weekend was that uh, Democrats and Republicans have come together with a, uh, a verbal agreement to uh, extend the debt ceiling, raise it once again uh, with some spending changes. Uh, I have yet to see what that looks like in terms of a, a final bill. Yet, but uh, all signs point to the fact that the debt ceiling is going to increase. The government will not shut down, and things will continue pretty much as normal. I guess the best question to ask you, because you're an economist, is because we always hear the threats. If the debt ceiling isn't raised, so let's just do the catastrophic thing. I mean, they they did give themselves a June 1st deadline, and of course they pushed it back to June 5th. Because, ah, eh, we're not done. Let's just say June 5th. The, to, to, all that seems to me like then it's just a nothing burger. But what happens if the debt ceiling, like, where is the catastrophic world-ending view if the debt, like, everything crashes because because uh, the U.S. didn't pay, pay its credit card bill? 
that depends on who you talk to. This has happened before where they they didn't reach an agreement by the deadline and the federal government technically shut down for uh, a couple of days. Uh, we went back and forth between, you know, what exactly does that mean? Who still gets an income? Uh, are national parks closed? Are national monuments shut down? What about museums? Uh, a lot of things went back and forth, and uh, people were pretty frustrated last time this happened. The, the big issue is that uh, federal workers would, you know, potentially stop getting a paycheck, and uh, that is a big percentage of our workforce in this country. And so, uh, to a lot of us, a week with a federal shutdown might not really affect our day-to-day lives, but for some people, it would be really, really impactful. Yeah, Social Security checks might not go out, uh, uh, checks to the military or something like that? Yeah, that's right. I mean, all federal payments are potentially at risk. All right. Now, do, does our, does our four, because our only pensions now are 401ks, do our, all our 401ks go into the tank, too? No, those would be entirely separate. Those okay. uh, tend to be managed by private companies, or if you're a state employee, that's a state pension system, and so a uh, federal shutdown wouldn't affect any of those at all. But but a federal shutdown, a, a debt default, wouldn't affect the stock market? Oh, I mean, it certainly could. Uh, I think a lot of the potential shutdown has been priced in already. Generally speaking, uh, shutdown tends not to be very good for the economy in the short run because you're stopping expenditures, you're stopping paychecks. It tends to really slow things down. And so if you're looking at it from a stock market perspective, a shutdown usually is a pretty bad outcome. All right. That's Adam Hoffer. He is the director of excise tax policy at the Tax Foundation. He's hanging out this hour. We're going to talk brewers funding, bucks funding, why we're paying billionaires uh, money to to upgrade their houses i guess is the best way to put it we'll be back all right welcome back to the crosstalk pm i'm rick solem on the phone with me is adam hoffer he's the director of excise tax policy at the tax foundation he's one of my economists i bring on to just talk about you know, but it, it, just talk about like debt ceiling stuff, not like the most exciting stuff in the world, Adam. And, and you can talk about it and then I'll just glaze over because I won't really understand. But when it comes to funding stadiums and sports economy and sport, sports talk when, in, in this regard, I'm, I'm really into it. And there there are two sports stories out of Milwaukee with the Brewers and the well, I was going to say not not out of Milwaukee. I was going to say the Bucks, but there's another one out of Green Bay with the Packers. And I want to start with that one a little bit. Uh, the Packers, the NFL announces that the draft is coming to 2020 in 2025 to Green Bay. And then uh, that's all good news. Like, hooray, right? That's going to be great for probably the state and for Green Bay. But then all of a sudden, uh, legislators say they want money. They want about $2 million to help pay for, like, just, I guess, to upgrade the area to uh, accommodate 250,000 people coming to town. Um, is this always kind of, I don't know, what as a, as a sports economist, how do you feel about these plans? Yeah, I mean, this is really par for the course on what happens in these kind of situations. Um, I, I taught sports economics for, for 10 years at UWL, and public funding for sports stadiums and sporting events uh, is, a, is a really fascinating issue to study. 
Uh, we can look at the economic effects of those. We can look at uh, sort of the, the pride that it brings into the local area. So when I heard the news that the draft was coming to Wisconsin, I was kind of pumped. I might go. Uh, the fact that the city of Green Bay or the state of Wisconsin is going to need to fork over a couple of million dollars to put on the event uh, seems a bit excessive. Uh, though, I mean, I, once again, I'm, I'm still happy that it's coming. Yeah, the, the, the story is that it's going to cost about $7 million to kind of, I don't even know. <laughs> like, we're gonna, it's, it, like when the Olympics come to a town, it, it, it seems to devastate whatever town it leaves because they build all this infrastructure for the Olympics, which is or isn't all that popular. And then everyone leaves and then they have all this Olympic stuff that they don't know what to do with anymore. Um, but seven and a half million to bring the NFL draft to Green Bay. The Packers say they're going to raise about four million dollars through partner organizations, and then they're going to spend a million dollars of their own money. Thank you, Green Bay Packers, for spending a million dollars. And then the two lawmakers have asked the Wisconsin legislature's budget writing committee uh, to give tourism officials two million dollars to kind of make to kind of hit that seven and a half million dollar mark, um, like. A salary seems to be about $2 million. Can't the Packers just fork this over? Is it because the Packers are owned differently than other places? Or is this just like, let's see what we can get? I, I think it's a bit of let's see what we can get. I, I think the uh, the Packers are volunteering some of their own funds. Uh, I think with any stadium deal, the question always comes back to, uh, why can't you fund this yourself? It, it seems no different here with this, uh, whatever they're going to put in for uh, the draft itself. I, I think they're going to argue that, you know, this is going to bring a bunch of people to the States and then uh, this won't necessarily benefit the Green Bay Packers. That uh, I expect the argument will be that it'll benefit the, the city of Green Bay or the state of Wisconsin. Uh, and so these expenditures are needed for that reason. Um, you know, if, if we go back to, you know, what, what impact will this have long run, it, it really comes down to how those funds are spent. You mentioned the Olympic stadiums. Uh, you can get a lot of great examples of how to do things wrong <laughs> with these kinds of big events and uh, you know, mega events and uh, huge things going on in a city. Uh, Brazil, for example, has, has you know examples of stadiums in the middle of nowhere that they spent hundreds of millions of dollars to build and now just sit empty, filling with cracks and falling apart. Um, but then if, if you go back to London, for example, when London hosted, hosted the Olympics, they spent a ton of the money getting ready for the Olympics to uh, upgrade their subway system. And uh, their Olympic stadium has turned into an open market with free access to the public. Uh, so there are ways to spend the money that have lasting benefits. And so, of course, I'm hoping that if a couple million dollars are going to be invested in the Green Bay, that it's invested into something that we can all benefit from long term. Yeah, after the fact. It is funny, too, because... Even if you don't want to say the Packers are owned in a, in a different way than the rest of sports, right? Because it's publicly owned or however you want to act. Can you explain that? How are the Packers differently owned? Yeah, so the NFL has a rule that uh, there needs to be a majority owner for each sports team. Uh, they don't want 10 different entities or people owning small percentages of a sports team. They want someone in charge, one decision maker. Uh, the league exception to that is the Green Bay Packers. They are uh, stockholder-owned, and so uh, I think a lot of people you run into that are Packers fans take uh, a lot of pride in being a part owner of the Green Bay Packers. 
Uh, now, that ownership doesn't come with uh, the normal rights that you might expect uh, in being a part owner of a company uh, in terms of um, you know, making decisions for a company or uh, reaping profits from that organization. Uh, but the Green Bay Packers are stockholder-owned, and so a lot of people that I know here in La Crosse are happy to own one share of the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I think yeah, they we just had that where they sold more stock to get more money. It was all it always seems kind of a I don't know, it seems kind of weird. But the uh if if you don't want to say that the Packers need to spend you know, what is it, it again, seven and a half million dollars in Green Bay to do whatever upgrades, they're not really saying what the upgrades are, whatever upgrades to to be able to host 300,000 people coming to the NFL draft in 2025. If you want to say that the Packers shouldn't have to spend that money, and the city of Green Bay or the state of Wisconsin shouldn't have to spend that money. We could say that the NFL could afford to spend. NFL made $18 billion in revenue in 2022, um, about $17 billion or a little over $17 billion in revenue in 2019. Why wouldn't the NFL just pay? Like, can the NFL, hey, you're coming here. Like, you you pay for this thing then. Now, every time we talk on this show, I think you come up with some great ideas. This sounds like another wonderful one. Uh, the NFL could invest a couple million dollars in wherever they're going to host the draft, and whatever they build can't be left there. Again, I mean, if you're thinking of uh, some infrastructure that can seat 100 or hold 200,000 people, um, you're talking about, like, significantly larger than Lambeau Field. And so even if it's something smaller just for the events, you can think about the benefits of uh, adding a concert venue, a theater, all these kinds of things that could be uh, that could hold some lasting impact in the area where they're built. Yeah, Lambeau Field holds 81,000. So it's three times the size of Lambeau Field is what is expected to come to Green Bay. So, yeah, I just and then you're you're right. Like, like, can I don't know if they can get it done. Could we build a speed train from from Milwaukee to Green Bay quick? Because then we could just shift shoot everyone to Milwaukee and let them uh, stay at the hotels down there. Because there must be hotel infrastructure that's better suited in Milwaukee than there is in Green Bay. Maybe we should just host this thing in Milwaukee. <laughs> well, this, this is actually one of the arguments that uh, I always make when we talk about larger sports uh, subsidies. So if we're gonna shift to the brewers for a moment here uh if, if we're gonna if a state's gonna spend hundreds of millions of dollars uh i always encourage people to think about what that money could be spent on instead uh and you know if, if you're talking about some high-speed rail we're probably not to a point where you can connect green bay with milwaukee yet but uh you could still fund a lot of public infrastructure and transportation spending with the kind of money that uh we're looking at giving the brewers yeah, maybe they should plan this out a little bit ahead of like two years from now too. <laughs> like, can we just set the schedule like ten years out or maybe five years out? Then, then we could really see some infrastructure being built prop and properly built, and and maybe like uh, with a little bit more thought to it. Other than like, oh, we're gonna have a whole bunch of people here. Let's because you can't just build a bunch of hotels because those hotels will go out of business three weeks after the draft because nobody's gonna stay overnight there after that. Yeah, I mean, they, they do build out and plan out, uh, you know, the Olympics for decades in advance. The Super Bowl, we know where that's going to be for years and years in advance. Um, you know, if, if the NFL wants to turn this draft into a bigger and bigger event, which I think it is becoming, uh, then planning out a couple more years in advance would probably be a great idea. Could, could we expect 
the either the state legislature or even the Packers to just go, no, we're good. NFL, you pay for it. <laughs> that would be interesting. I haven't looked at the details of what other cities or communities have done when the NFL draft has come there. But Green Bay is also different because it's just smaller. Right. Uh, I mean, I would be stunned if in some way, shape, or form the Green Bay turns down this offer. Um, no, I don't mean I, that. I, I don't think, mean turn yeah. down the offer. I mean just hold out and go, no, we need $7.5 million NFL, and you're going to send us $7.5 million. Like, they just hold out. You already announced... Is the NFL really going to back out? It's, it'd be like a game of chess here, or a game of poker. I don't know. Uh, it'd, it'd be a standoff, right? If you're really going to announce Green Bay, the most historic franchise in the NFL, one could argue, uh, NFL's already announced they're coming there. All right, NFL, send us $7.5 million to help pay for infrastructure upgrades to, to host this thing because they're not pulling out. They're not, eh, we didn't want to send $7 million to Green Bay, so we're going to go host it in Dallas now. I can see that happening. <laughs> in a dream world, I don't think it'll happen because the state has a $7 billion budget surplus and what's $2 million. I think in the end, it'll just be that. Um, and we won't we won't see a whole a big fight. But it is just kind of frustrating to just be, you know, $2 million here, $2 million there. It all kind of adds up. It really does. I mean, for me, it comes down to uh, if you're going to spend it, make something that is lasting and impactful, not only for the event itself, but when, once the event is gone and there's not another draft for 30 years, but whatever gets built can be used. Yeah, you talk about London, they built a public market. I mean, we've, we've been talking about building a public market here. Uh, maybe Green Bay could use a public market. Yeah, exactly. That's the whole point. Uh, you know, invest in the community for the events, and then whatever you're doing, again, whether it's a, a structure or facilitating greater transportation, uh, whatever that money is spent on, it is spent in a way that benefits the people well after the event. That's Adam Hoffer. He's the director of excise tax policy at the Tax Foundation here in the Cross. He's also just our sports economist or economist in general, really. Uh, but when there's sports things, I really got to come to him. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about the, the Brewers and and how kind of the same battle a little bit. Uh, uh, just I think more is at stake here uh, with the Brewers. There's threats that the Brewers could leave town. There's threats that, I mean, the the amount of money they're asking for is ridiculous. And it's coming right off the, after I think Milwaukee County just finished paying off the stadium and now they want more money. Uh, So that's what we'll talk about when we come back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. On the phone with me today in this hour is Adam Hoffer. He's the director of excise tax policy at the Tax Foundation. He's also just, you know, easier way to say that. He's our economist. And then when it's sports, he's definitely the guy to go to as a sports economist. Like he said uh, earlier this hour, he's he taught sports economy. Is that a class at UWL? Was it a class? Does it still exist? Did somebody take that over? Do I need to have someone else on my show that can talk this stuff, Adam? <laughs> I, I, I did hand over my notes. Sports economics is a very popular class at UWL. I, I enjoyed teaching it for years. Does are there a lot of careers like as you? I mean, it's a big economy. Obviously, the the world of sports is a, is there a lot of like options for people? Because when I when I think of sports, I'm always like, man, it's really hard to get to the upper echelon of that that uh, world. You know, like I can cover Winona High and and lacrosse sports at a newspaper for a decade, but it's, you know, to, to go beyond that and get into the pro world seems a little bit more difficult. 
Yeah, I mean, the, it's certainly easy to think about, you know, what comes first to mind, the professional big sports leagues. But there are loads of careers in the sports world that you might want some economics or business training in uh, that we help prepare students for. Uh, for example, we worked with uh, the lacrosse parks and rec department many years ago in the preparation of train park going in. Uh, so we work with students that are you know, going to work for government and park services. Uh, we have some alumni that work for the Twins uh, and in the pro sports leagues. Uh, but also minor league teams and then just uh, private comp- companies, right? Memorabilia is a really big and growing industry. Uh, so there are tons of ways to work in sports. Um, and we're going to talk about the Brewers here in a minute, but I, I like to just throw some local stuff at you. Uh, Aldi, I don't know if you heard the rumor that Aldi might come to the South Side of the Cross. Uh, you know, do you have any opinion on that? I mean, uh, nothing but good things, I feel like, from another grocery store. But we already just got one one grocery store on the opposite side of town. Right. Uh, I mean, it's been several years since I shopped at Aldi. Uh, I love Aldi was exclusive, my exclusive grocery store when uh, I was a grad student. Uh, frankly, I just don't feel like driving up to uh, where Aldi is now to shop there. But if one comes to the south side, I say uh, good for us as consumers. Uh, you know, sorry, Hy-Vee, sorry, Festival, that there's another competitor close by. But that sounds like a win for us. Yeah, it's pretty interesting to see all the shop goes are kind of like in the works. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the huge benefit of uh, commercial property. And if, if we can see it's uh, give it a little bit of time to transition into, uh, you know, sort of what's new, what's needed, uh, what's it going to look like? I, I, I've seen pickleball courts going into Chicago malls. <laughs> so um, give it a little bit of time. And I, I think these, uh, you know, prime located commercial spots that uh, we need for what they were used for before. You know, sorry, Shopco, sorry, Kmart. Um, but I'm constantly optimistic that uh, we'll find a use for these big box stores that we don't need as box stores anymore to turn into something else. All right, we're going to transition to that, to the brewers. Okay, so I'll just set this up a little bit, but I want to come back to like these, these big box stores quick. Um, the brewers... Governor Tony Evers uh, a couple of months ago said, hey, Brewers need fu- funding to renovate their stadium, which is kind of funny because it doesn't seem that old and, and it's a lot of funding because I think it's almost as much funding. And if you go by the numbers that came out last week, it's more funding than the stadium actually costs. It's either between – it's like $300 million or $500 million, depending on uh, who you talk to. And the state legislature was like, yeah, we want to do a better plan that will be keep the Brewers here longer – and then Rob Manfred, the MLB commissioner, was in Milwaukee last week, and he said, well, if you don't do this funding deal, then the Brewers could leave town like Oakland just did. I think the Oakland A's are, are leaving Las Vegas. So let's just start here, Adam. The Brewers leave town. You're talking about Shopco. Uh, you know, maybe if we don't develop one of the Shopcos, it turns into a pickleball court or the old Kmart, right? We haven't done anything with that building. We were going to tear it down, I think, two summers ago. Um, if the Brewers left Milwaukee and there's this giant retractable roof stadium. What what would what would we do with that thing? <laughs> You're really going to make me be creative here. I know I threw uh, I, I threw one. An off the top of my head, no pun but, intended. I uh, threw one out of left field at you. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't, concert venue is the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, minor league sports. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure you can repurpose a 500 million dollar baseball stadium very easily. But I'm also saying that it's not impossible. 
Okay, and that's kind of where I'm going is the threat of the Brewers leaving town is a gigantic one. And the money that they want to renovate a stadium, also gigantic. So, you know, like what what are your thoughts on just the idea that we we just Milwaukee County just stopped paying for this like two years ago with the 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 point one percent sales tax or point oh one percent sales tax. The stadium eventually, I think after the whole, the whole when it was all said and done with the debt and whatnot, it was six hundred million dollars, but it initially cost three hundred ninety two million. Uh, it was built between nineteen ninety six and two thousand one. But now Governor Evers said three hundred million. The state legislature was kind of mad that they jumped the gun on. He jumped the gun on them because they were like, "No, we're going to do a better deal." Um, and and now it doesn't even sound like they're going to talk about it. But then the MLB commissioner says, "Now they're going to leave town if you don't give us this money." And you get back to, well, if they leave town, then we have this giant stadium that's going to be a a big just I, I don't know it'll get really run down if we don't want to fund it. So. I mean, does the does the does Major League Baseball and the Brewers really have the Milwaukee and the state of Wisconsin at, at the neck here, at the throat for this thing? Yeah, they do. This is uh, this is something that the sports leagues absolutely love. They leverage and pull and uh, constantly make threats that if cities don't put up big dollar amounts to improve and renovate stadiums, that uh, the sports teams are going to leave. They threaten and threaten and threaten for years. Uh, sports teams moving is actually somewhat uncommon, but it has happened enough recently that the threats appear very real. Uh, and so uh, this is just it's literally textbook. It's the example we use in class to talk about what we call rent-seeking, uh, just a form of private companies uh, squeezing and extracting dollars from governments to give them favors. Yeah, and this isn't just... Yeah, you say private companies because it's not just the sports world. We we kind of seen this with Foxconn, though. I don't think it's you know none of this has come to fruition. I think Quick Trip in town here has asked for tax subsidies, um, and Kimberly Clark did at one point. But I think they left town. I think they didn't even want the tax subsidies that were offered. But um, I don't know. Like, there's do, does society need to draw the line in the sand, or is is this? I don't I don't know how you solve this. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. Tangible, long-lasting economic benefits from giving any of these subsidies, like ever, and so it, the benefits just aren't there. Uh, the way in which you deal with it, uh, th- this sounds challenging, but the solution also seems exceptionally easy. Is you go up one level of government and uh, you impose some sort of a rule that says uh, these, you know, tax breaks, these targeted subsidies just aren't permissible. Uh, yeah, but, so, but it would have to take a federal government action because uh, as much as as much as Milwaukee doesn't want to fork over uh, five hundred million dollars in subsidies for the Brewers, although it, it seems like there does seem to be an appetite for that at, at the state level, um, it hasn't been hard to find other cities that that will. Uh, you know, the Las Vegas scene went from uh, no sports teams to uh, suddenly having a, a you know potentially three professional. Uh, teams that play in Vegas. Yeah, I feel like that's just, I don't know how to put it, Las Vegas, gambling town, gambling's legal. I think at at some point in his, throughout history, the, the pro teams went, we don't want to be in the town that where you can, I don't know why, but we don't want to be in the town where you could just gamble on us, maybe because it would corrupt the players or the coaches or something. Uh, but then all that changed, and once once one team did it, now I think we'll see every sports team heading to Vegas. 
Um, so I think there was a stigma there. Yeah, I mean, I I think the the old adage was that uh, nobody wanted a professional team in Vegas because that's where all the gambling happened, and it would be uh, potentially too tempting to encourage players to bet on games uh, either by casinos or underground organizations, and that would uh, you know affect, uh, as the commissioners like to say, the integrity of the league. Um, yeah, now that we have sports gambling almost everywhere, it, there seems to be uh, less concern that. Um, Vegas would be the only spot where this could happen. And so uh, here come the Vegas sports teams. Yeah, we've already seen uh, a prominent Atlanta Falcons NFL wide receiver suspended and a couple of uh, like lesser-known NFL players were suspended. And then a whole bunch of college players are getting suspended for betting on sports. Uh, so so it's just too easy. Ah, we can bet on sports wherever we want, so why not just go to Vegas? Like, who cares? Um so I want to compare, and we're speaking with Adam Hoffer. He's the director of excise tax policy at the Tax Foundation and our, our sports economist. Um, okay, so the Brewers lease the stadium from the Milwaukee County or whatever whatever entity owns the stadium. It's got a name, but it's buried in my notes. The Bucks Arena, which cost, I think, $500 million, and the taxpayers paid $250 million of that. And the team owners paid $174 million of that, which I think is funny. The billionaire owners didn't even fork over as much as the taxpayers. And then Herb Coyle just gave $100 million because Herb Coyle just, eh, here's $100 million. Um, the, the, so the Bucks Stadium cost $524 million. But I think the two billionaire owners that own that own the stadium. They own the Bucks, and now they own the stadium. So could we just – does that th- – that makes a huge difference in these, like, negotiations, right? Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's uh, it, it's it's about power and leverage, and uh, it, it really does become a bit of a game of chicken to see who's going to flinch first. Uh, again, like it it seems like the again when when the governor announced that uh, the state of Wisconsin was wanted to put a couple hundred million dollars in, uh, you, you didn't see a, a warm welcome. Oh, thank you from Major League Baseball. They said, well, actually. Um, 300 million sounds nice, but you know, how about 500 million? Yeah, that's, I, I just, that's, um, it's unreal because if, if the brew, like, and I don't, because the Bucks, the Bucks owners own the Bucks arena. So what if, can the can Milwaukee County go, Hey, uh, owners of the Milwaukee Brewers, I think the guy, he's not worth quite, I think the last time he's worth about $700 million. Can we just say, we'll just give you the, the stadium here. And that'll be the down payment for the renovations, and then you can do what you want with the stadium. Because <laughs> it would be a lot harder to to sell. To, it would be a lot harder find the Brewers, and I own the stadium to leave town because now I have this. I have to pay taxes on this stadium, right, and pay for the stadium itself. And if I leave town, then the, the, like I would hope that somebody else would come and use the stadium for something. Right. Uh, the incentive to keep the team there is certainly very, very strong. Uh, this, this one's very, very different, but uh, um, I also, I, I used to love to teach um, a lot of, it, if you look outside of the United States, uh, so English soccer teams, for example, uh, are often owned by the city. <laughs> and so they don't move. Um, moving just doesn't happen in uh, for other teams in other parts of the world. Um and so there are other options out there if, uh, if if the subsidies, you know, 
get too out of control. Well, you're getting conspiracy theory on me now because this is one that I've had. The state of Wisconsin has a $7 billion budget surplus. I think the Broncos just sold for, was it $4 billion or something like that? I can't remember quite. The Walmart family bought the Broncos. So I was thinking, like, why don't why isn't the state of Wisconsin just buy the Brewers? We'll buy the team. Then we don't have to renovate. We'll keep the stadium, and then we don't have to worry about any of this. We've got seven billion in budget surplus. It wouldn't even take half of that. We'll just buy the team back. <laughs> and it it would only take a surprisingly small fraction of that, probably to to buy the whole team. But most leagues have uh, explicit rules that prevent that from happening. Uh, maybe the most famous example. Uh, in San Diego, whenever the owner passed, uh, they tried to leave the team, you know, in the will to the city of San Diego. And the NFL stepped in and said, no, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> Somebody oh, that, else has to own the team. Is, is that an NFL thing? Because that gets back to the Packers kind of being grandfathered into not having one particular owner. They have like a, you know, like a CEO or whatever. Mark, I think it's Mark Murphy, um, unless he retired. But the the Packers are kind of grandfathered in, but may, is that an all sports thing or do, have I stumped you here? Maybe does, does major league baseball have the same rules? Well, every league has their own rules. I don't know explicitly what uh, major league baseball rules are in terms of ownership, but uh, I, I am pretty sure that each league go does whatever they can to try to discourage uh, city ownership expressly because they can start dropping these threats of moving to try to get the cities to uh, fork over more and more money to put into these stadiums. Right. They, that kind of ends their bargaining power in, in an ability to get to, to, you know, get the taxpayers to pay for their billionaire to pay the billionaires for their stadiums. Also, there's a, there's a world here where the billionaire owner of the brewers near billionaire, I should say, doesn't want to sell the stadium because of their ego, because only, 30 people get to own these things. And I'm one of the 30 guys. Look at me. I own the Brewers. Like there's the, you know, selling these teams is, is crazy. Yeah. I mean, they are a unique investment. (laughs) We'll put it that way. The, um, the demand to be a sports team owner has increased significantly over time. And I mean, if, if you just saw with, with the sale of the Washington commanders, um, it seems like every year we're setting, you know, real new records for sale prices for these teams. Yeah, it's it's pretty scary. The Timberwolves just sold too, but I don't actually know. Alex Rodriguez was one of the buyers, but I don't actually know how much they sold for. I should know these things. Um, but okay, back to the Brewers uh, thing, and we're speaking with Adam Hoffer, Director of Excise Tax Policy at the Tax Foundation. Um, okay, a 2020 report, and I just want to uh, do sports teams actually benefit the the state or the city that they you know live in a 2020 report claims Miller Park was worth more than two and a half billion to Southeast Wisconsin over the past 20 years so two and a half billion over 20 years um, is that is that worth the investment because it cost you know 600 million dollars to build the stadium and now they want 500 million dollars to uh, renovate it and and that's a billion dollars right there so cut that two and a half billion dollars and you're in half. I don't know. Is it one and a half billion dollars? And then like, is, is that number real? Is there really an economic benefit to two and a half billion in the, in the community and the state? So let me start with most of these reports are utter nonsense. Uh, they're often, especially economic impact studies funded by the teams or the leagues themselves. Right. Uh, they're, they're, 
there tends to be a little bit of a, a bias in the, the, the numbers that they find. Uh, so what ends up happening in these reports is, is they count every, all the economic activity that happens, the, the ticket sales, the, park re- the parking revenue, uh, and they say, look at all this economic activity that's happening. Um, what they're never able to account for and sort of go out of their way to avoid mentioning is uh, what would have happened if there wasn't a stadium built and uh, a baseball team to play in the first place. So uh, a lot of these, a lot of good academic studies are able to do this. They're able to use like, uh, you know, the baseball lockouts and, uh, you know, strikes in sports to uh, look at what happens when there aren't, you know, these teams playing and people, aren't able to spend their money to go to professional sports games. Well, it, it turns out they spend their money elsewhere in the city doing other kinds of entertainment and uh, leisure activities. So uh, they end up spending their money elsewhere. So the economic numbers tend to wash out. Uh, it, it really comes down to, uh, you know, if you are a big enough fan of this team and you want your team to stay and play in the city, then you're going to want the public investment there. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's almost shocking to say, uh, as a sports fan myself, but, uh, we should also recognize that a lot of people just don't care about these sports teams whatsoever, <laughs> but we're, we're pulling them in and forcing them to pay for them, whether they like it or not. Well, and it's kind of funny too, because the, look at how much the economic impact of having the brewers in Milwaukee has benefited the, the area. Look at the, and you mentioned like parking revenue. We're pillaging you for a hundred dollars a game to park. You know, it's like, well, is that economic impact? Are you just stealing more money from us to go to your games? Because we we have to pay you for the tickets. We have to pay you for the the parking. We have to pay you for the extraordinary cost of beer. What is it like 10, 12 bucks a beer now? Um, And then on top of that, like uh, who else benefits from the stadium, I get like a local owner of a restaurant that is near the stadium is probably going to make a bunch of money because more people are going to come to his restaurant during a game. But like what else benefits and and who are or not what else, but who are those people that are also benefiting? Are they everyday people, local business owners, or are they giant corporations and entities that, you know, like, do we really like do we really need to give them more of our money? Right. I mean, the again, the answer is like, sure. The, the owner of a restaurant is going to benefit a lot from that stadium being there. Uh, you know, given, again, we can talk about different stadiums. There are a lot more baseball games each year than home football games, for yeah. example. Uh, but what we're, what we're missing is that, yes, if people want to eat at that restaurant, then they're not going out to eat at different restaurants. <laughs> and so it, it's not as if cities without sports stadiums or sports stadiums are are harder to get to. It's not as if, you know, they struggle and don't do as well economically. Uh, Again, it's a completely different question to say, uh, you know, does something about having the sports team make you enjoy the city more? Sure. Uh, And if that's the case, then great support the the sports team. But uh, it's, I, I think it's a, it's an outright lie to say that there are massive economic effects from these sports teams in a city right and then when i can't a go afford to pay for parking for the game or just go to the game in general then it, is it really that big of a benefit to having them um all right that's adam hoffer he's the director of excise tax policy at the tax foundation adam thanks so much for joining me man hey i'm happy to come on all right we'll be back after this uh, yeah. 
All right, that's going to wrap it up for a Tuesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Thanks again to Adam Hoffer for joining us this hour. He is the director of excise tax policy at the Tax Foundation. He's our sports economist and economist in general. We'll have to bring him back to talk about some of these shop co deals, essentially, the shop co deals. Aldi coming to town. I sent an email to Aldi to see if they are coming to town. We'll see. I don't know yet. They usually don't respond in a way that <laughs> with the answer that you want. It's usually uh, we can't comment at this point, but we'll see what happens. Um, anyway, uh, I thought that was an interesting conversation with Adam, and I had so many more questions and conspiracies and theories to throw at him about sports teams and whether or not they're they're good for the area. Cool to have them, but are they good, you know, economically? All right, that's going to do it. Thanks everybody for listening.